Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. On Father's Day, I would do a specially designed Father's Day message. I'm not going to do that today because we've been in a great little series uh, talking about the minor prophets. It's a series that we've entitled Majoring on the Minors. And it just so happened that this particular week, the story of Jonah came up. And I thought, you know what? Um, because of all the dads out there, that have quite possibly told this story to their kids. And because of some of the young ones here who've probably heard their dad tell this story, I thought what a fitting way to fit in with Father's Day and our series at the same time by looking at this prophet by the name of Jonah. For those of you who have been away or it's your first time visiting this morning, um, I just want you to know what we've been touching on. We've looked at uh, four minor prophets already. Um, this is not an exhaustive study by any stretch of the imagination. This is just us focusing on a major theme that is found in the minor prophets. The minor prophets are the last 12 books of the Old Testament. And in week number one, we looked at the prophet Hosea and we talked about a relentless love. Week number two, we looked at Joel, which was about it's never too late. Week number three, my wife spoke on Amos uh, about walking with God. And last week, Chris spoke about Obadiah and it was how the mighty have fallen, looking at the subject of pride. But today we want to look at Jonah and uh, my subtitle to this message today is, you can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. Everyone say it with me, you can run but you can't hide. That was, that was messy because I said, say it with me, but I really meant to say it after me. So you can run, but you can't hide. Excellent. Jonah, unlike the other uh, 11 minor prophets, is a narrative. And uh, it was most likely written between 793 and 758 BC. Um, the author is not identified. However, tradition suggests it was Jonah himself. And the amazing thing about the book of Jonah is it's an account of his life, but it wasn't at his finest moment. This is not an Instagram moment. You know what I mean by that, don't you? Anything you see on social media is something that is happening in your life that is good and great and you want everyone to know about it. Jonah has taken one of the lowest moments of his life and put it on Instagram, Facebook, and he's put it on Twitter for the whole world to see. And not just the then known world, but for the last few thousand years, we have been able to look into the depth of Jonah's life at the worst place in his moment. Are there any brave men or women out there that would take your darkest day and put that on Instagram? That's what effectively Jonah is doing here. And if nothing else, we can thank Jonah for his vulnerability and his openness. You see, he was indeed a great man of God. Just because he's highlighted a low moment doesn't make him uh, not a great man. This is a great man of God who was used by God in a mighty way. 
But he had a season in his life. Any of you had a season? The difference between most of us having a season and Jonah having a season is he let everyone know about it. We've got to thank God for Jonah's openness and his vulnerability to letting us into his world at a very difficult season in his life. I look forward to meeting this man in heaven and shaking his hand and saying, thank you. Thank you for making my dark seasons look normal. Thank you for normalising my life through your openness and your vulnerability. I'm gonna look for this man, Jonah, and say thank you. Jonah is one of my heroes purely because of his openness and his vulnerability. Amen? The other thing I like about the minor prophet Jonah is that he's the one prophet that we can actually remember. It's the one story we can actually remember. And uh, not only remember, but also identify with. Basically, the story of Jonah is a story of a God that said go and a man that said no. That's it, go home. That's it, that's Jonah for you. It's the story of a God that said go and a man that said no. Has anyone here ever said no when God said go? We can identify with this. This story is about a God that said go and a man that said no. God said to Jonah, I want you to go to a city, a city by the name of Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't wanna do that. Anyone here ever said, I don't wanna do that? That's what makes Father's Day so special. Every father has heard, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Have any of you young people ever said to your dad or an authority figure, I don't want to do that. We can identify with the story of Jonah. He didn't want to go. He wanted to run. He didn't want to help God. He didn't want to rescue those Ninevites. As far as he was concerned, let them go to hell. They're bad people. They're rotten people. It would be no different than you and I being asked by God to maybe, I don't know, go to Heinley Street and help the people down there. And some of us in our self-righteous attitude might say, no, 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 let them go to hell. They deserve what's coming their way. That's what we've got going on here. God's saying, go, I want you to help a group of people that need my help. And Jonah's on a stand of saying, no, I'm not gonna do it. I don't wanna go. And instead of dealing with the issue, he ran away. And for anyone in this room who is on the run, you are welcome. You are welcome this morning. You see, what you need to know about God is that He will let you go, but He won't leave you alone. God loves you. God cares for you. God is passionate about your future. He has plans for you. He has plans to bless you and plans to prosper you. He has a purpose for your life. Every one of us in this room has been born on purpose for a purpose and God loves you and God wants you to have a collision with your purpose for your life. 
But if you want to run away, he'll let you. He'll let you go. But he won't give up on you. He won't leave you alone. You see, the moment Jonah said, no, he became a marked man. I might put that on later. He became a marked man. The moment that Jonah said no, God said, that's okay. But before you go, just stand there a minute. Off you go. And from that moment, Jonah was indeed a marked man. He had a target on him the moment he said no to God. And every time we say no to God, we become marked men and marked women. And He will say to us, okay, on your way, but before you go, just stand there. Now on your way. So you can run, but you can't hide. You can run from God, but you can't hide from God. Because our God is a God who is everywhere. The psalmist knew that to be true. In Psalm 139, verse seven to eight, it says, where can I go from your spirit, O God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, guess what? Oh, He's there. And if I go down to the depths and make my bed there, guess what? Oh man, you are there. You can't hide from God. I always think it's funny when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden hid from God. And the Bible says they went behind the tree. Here's my question. Where is behind the tree for God? If God is everywhere, where is behind for Him? If you go here, no, God's there. I'll go around the back. No, God's around the back. I'll go around the front. God's around the front. I'll go to the left. He's at the left. I'll go to the right. I'll go. He's there. I'm going to get in an aeroplane. He's there. I'm going to go deep sea diving. <laughs> He's there. I'm going to climb Everest. He's there. By the way, He made Everest. You can't run from God. You are a marked man. You are a marked woman the moment you say no to God. That's the story of Jonah. And so God says to Jonah, okay, you can go on your way, but He doesn't give up on us. God loves us so much and He's so committed to us that He's gonna give things to us and He's gonna give gifts to us while we're on the run. He's so committed to us. He's so committed to our purpose and He loves us so dearly that He gives us things even while we are running away from Him. Let's pick up the story in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4. No, Jonah 1 and verse 1, 2, 4. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed out for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa 
He found a ship bound for, part, uh, sorry, bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm rose that the ship threatened to break up. God loved Jonah and God loves you and I so much that He's gonna send some things our way to confirm that He loves us and that He hasn't given up on us, that we fulfil the plan that He has for us. You wanna know the first gift that God sent Jonah? It was a gift of a storm. God sent a storm Jonah's way and the purpose behind the storm was simply to get his attention. When you're on the run from God, He will send a storm our way in order to get our attention, in order to wake Him up. This was a message from God to shake His life and to get His attention. Uh, attention sorry. And so there was a storm and it was a storm sent by God. This is moving past the whisper. See, God loves us. And whenever God is trying to get our attention, He first talks to us in a small, still voice. Just like many of us fathers would do to our children. Hey, Mitch, can you clean your room, please? Hey, Jordan, can you keep your room tidy? Hey, BJ, can you... Don't even, I'm not even going to try. We start with a whisper. But how many of you know, parents, that if the whisper is ignored, the voice gets louder? Yeah. Are there any parents who know what I'm on about? Yeah. They say, oh, what did I tell you? Well, this is God getting loud. This storm is God getting loud. This storm is God getting Jonah's attention because he wasn't listening to the, hey, can you do me a favour? I would love for you to go to this particular part of the world and help these people who are in desperate need. Would you please do that? I think that's where God starts with most of us because he's a loving heavenly father. But if we ignore the small, still voice, that voice will get louder. And so God sends this storm in order to get Jonah's attention. And what do we find Jonah doing? Jonah is asleep in the middle of the storm. And then the people on the boat were rebuking the wind and rebuking the waves. There's no amount of rebuking that can undo disobedience. You can rebuke, you can bind, you can loose, you can pray, you can fast, but there's no amount of those things that will get you out of your disobedience or my disobedience. And the interesting thing about this story is that Jonah's disobedience put other people's lives in danger. His disobedience put all those on that ship in danger. 
Your disobedience can have a negative effect on others. When we're running away from God, He's going to send some things our way. And the first thing He sends our way is a storm. Anyone ever been through a storm? A storm created not by the wind and the waves so much as our disobedience. The second thing God sends the way of Jonah in order to get him to wake up is the gift of a captain. A captain to give him direction. He sends a storm to get our attention. And then secondly, he sends a captain to give us direction. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. The purpose of the captain was to wake Jonah up. The captain is that God-sent friend, that pastor, that leader, that person that is bold enough to go up to you and say, wake up, man. Stop playing games. Wake up. And you know what we want to do in those moments more often than not? We want to rebuke the captain. It's really hard to be a father today, as Kath has already mentioned, because there's so many political correct things that we have to keep in mind. And one of the hardest things when it comes to being a true father are all the other voices. When you say, hey, wake up, man. It's the other voices. I let him sleep, honey. He's tired. He's worn out. But a captain or a godly father is one who knows what is best and knows what is better for that particular individual. They're a God gift to us. Having the right people in our world that don't let us do what it is that we want to do or get away with what we want to get away with. We need men and we need women like that in our lives. Do you have a captain in your life? Do you have a person in your life that can speak? God's spoken in my heart more recently that we often replace comfort. We, 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 we are so busy bringing comfort and not clarity that confusion reigns. And we comfort people, but we're not getting the necessary clarity that we need in order to move from where we are to where we need to be. And to me, that's the difference between a friend and a father. A father, and can I just say this to every dad out there, your kids don't need another friend. Your kids will have stacks of friends at school, in the sporting clubs and in a church like this. They'll have hundreds of friends. They need you to hold your ground and hold your post and be a father in their life. Be a captain in their life. Wake them up when they need, when they're not listening. And that's why we need to pray for fathers because it's not easy being a dad. It's not easy bringing the challenges that are required in order to raise a godly family in this day and generation. A captain is one who has revelation and not just reason. I believe that through the story of Jonah, God is saying, if we won't listen to the storm 
A captain is coming your way. A captain is coming your way. And a captain is one that is the person that we need to draw alongside and say, is there something you see in my life? Is there something that you need to speak into my life? I thank God for this church, I do. But I can honestly say the decisions that have been made over the 21 years that we've been going as a church have not been without captains speaking into this situation. I mean, even just this Tuesday coming, we've got Danny Guglamucci, Chris's dad, coming as an apostolic figure in this nation to be able to speak to our staff and extended staff and speak into our heart. I thank God that when rebuke has come my way, I thank God when correction has come my way, I've been able to have people in my world to be able to run those things by. That I can stand up here week after week with the confidence, knowing that I'm not just standing up here in my own confidence. I've said this many times more recently. I feel like many, for many of us in this church, and I love this church dearly, but for many of us, we've camped at friendship. And God wants us to move from friendship to discipleship. And the difference between friendship and discipleship is discipleship is friendship that goes the extra mile. It's friendship that brings the challenge in love. It's friendship that shares things that others won't share. I trust and pray that if you're not listening to the storm, you'll listen to the captains in your life. A captain is the one who'll throw you into the deep end. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Ever since we've had kids, we've had a home that's had a pool. And it's been my great delight to take all three kids at a very early age. And just pick them up and just throw them into the water. See, I, I didn't need them to win the 100 metre freestyle. I just needed them to stay alive. I did not want any of our kids to drown in the pool that brought us much joy. And so at a very early age, I think it was about 18 months, I just threw all of our kids in just... And watch them try to swim to the edge. I said, all you've got to do is get to the edge. Just get to the edge. Just get to the edge. Invariably, they sank. <laughs> we'd pick them up and we'd do it again. But before, before the age of two, every one of them could get themselves to the edge of the pool. Yeah. Unkind? I don't know. Unconventional? Definitely. <laughs> Unkind? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because God and a good captain will throw you over the side from time to time. The gift of a captain is an awesome gift. We all need friends in high places. Who's that for you? Who's that for you? Who's that for you? If someone brought a strong word to you, who would you go to? Would you go to your friend to get comfort? Or would you go to someone who's more experienced, further down the track than you, and would you humble yourself and say, there could just be some truth to that? 
You can't do this role that I've done for the last 21 years without getting accused of certain things, and I've been accused of many things over the years. And it's so wonderful and so freeing not to have to fight and defend yourself. It's so freeing to say, can I take that word? Can I take that thought? Can I take that charge? Can I take that accusation? And, and can I just share that with somebody other than myself? And, and not my friend, but, but someone who, who, who understands better than I do? What do we do with those words? Or do we go to our friends for comfort? See, comfort doesn't bring the clarity. And clarity, without the clarity, confusion reigns. I can honestly say that for myself, that has been my practice. Because you know what? I live with this tension. I, I, I don't want to kid myself. I don't want to fool myself. I, I don't want to talk myself into the fact that I'm doing okay. I, I, I would much rather fall into the hands of a loving God and receive a rebuke than just kid myself long term. Captain's a great gift. It's a great gift. That's not all that God bought Jonah's way. He bought the gift of a storm to get our attention. He brings the gift of a captain to give us direction. But then he brings a whale or a big fish for our protection. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This gift is probably the most misunderstood gift of all. We tend to interpret this as a big bad fish was sent by a big bad God to teach a bad man, Jonah, a big lesson. No, not at all. The truth is, without that fish, Jonah would have drowned. And so God said, I've got a plan. And at his word, he spoke to a big fish. Because it's no good sending a little fish. Imagine a little guppy coming up. <laughs> hey, you, get inside. Just... <laughs> Has to be a big fish so that a man can get inside. Am I right? <laughs> It's just one of those Monty Python moments that I have when I read the Bible. Imagine that, you, go in there, just like. Uh, I've been sent by God for you to come. That sends a big fish. God's a God of order, not confusion. Sends a big fish. A whale. Big fish. And it swallows him up. Not as judgment, but it's protection. As a mode of transport. It's like catching a bus, really. Jonah going down for the last time and all aboard. This is this is this gift is a gift. But a most misunderstood one. See, this whale was shelter from the storm, stopped him drowning. 
It kept him alive. It was transportation. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that the whale didn't go in the same direction that he was heading. But the whale picked him up and they said, okay, back to Nineveh. Wow. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? And not only was it shelter and a mode of transport, but it was also a great think tank. It was a time where there were no interruptions. That's why I love flying. I live a busy life with lots of interruptions. Lots of people want my time. I've learned to enjoy flying. If for no other reason, nobody can get a hold of me. That phone goes off, and I get to do three things I love doing. Sleeping, watching movies, and reading. And that's what I do. I do those three things. And nobody can interrupt me. Except if there's that mother with that screaming little kid. (laughs) But that's another story. This is a think tank. This is where there's no distractions, no interruptions. And all you've got is you and God. And when it's just you and God, He's kind of got you. And the Bible says it was there in the belly of this big fish that God got Jonah's attention. And the Bible says he remembered God. Prior to this, it was all about Jonah. I don't want to. I'm afraid. I don't care. I don't like, I don't want. You've seen the common word in that? I. But in the whale of the fish, he remembers God. And it's no longer about him. And in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. God loves you so much. If we can have the musicians come, that would be great. God loves you so much that he'll put a storm your way. He'll bring a captain your way. He'll bring a big fish your way so that like Jonah, we can come to this place where we remember him again. In verse 2 he says, In my distress... I called to the Lord. And get this. He didn't rebuke me. He answered me. What a God. I don't know what your understanding of God is. That he's a big, angry man with a long gray beard that's just wanting to judge you. We serve a God who loves us and just wants to be with us. From the depths of the grave, I have called for help. 
and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. God doesn't care what you look like. Some of us are so image conscious. God doesn't care what you look like. God doesn't care what you've been up to. God just wants you to know that you're loved dearly by Him. And if you've got seaweed on your head today, you're welcome. That more than likely will be a metaphor than a reality. <clears throat> but whatever that seaweed may represent in your life, can I say this? You're welcome. Seaweed on the head, in the gut of a fish for three days, the smell can't be that good. If you're not smelling too good, you're welcome. If your life stinks right now, you're welcome. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me bared me in forever, barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. In verse 8, it says, Those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That moment was not pretty. <laughs> Hashtag understatement. I mean, sometimes we read the Bible with rose-colored glasses. Sometimes it's so hard to comprehend, we turn everything, just, it was just a metaphor, it's just poetry. Well, for Jonah, this was anything but poetry. This was his reality. Unceremoniously spewed up on the beach with seaweed on his head. And God says, up you get. I've got a job to do. What a God. If God has been sending you a whale, do yourself a favour and get in it. And get back to the plan. And back to the purpose that God intended for you.
Because in the whale, it's a time God will take you deep. If you'll let him in. Jonah learned to sing again in the pit and the gut of a whale. I believe God in his love and grace and mercy is sending a mode of transport to you. He's sending a captain to you. He's sending a storm your way, whatever it takes, in order for us to get back to his plan and his purpose. But at each level, Jonah still had to comply. The key verse is, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. We serve a gracious God. But if we're to receive the grace, we need to let go of the rubbish. We need to surrender and humble ourselves. It's in the whale where we learn what life is about and what's most important. It's where we let go of some things. At the end of this story, God made good on his vow. Jonah was spat up onto the beach. He went from the boat to the belly to the beach with a burp. It's what we call winning ugly. See, being a Christian puts you on the winning side, but sometimes we win ugly. We just win ugly. But I'd rather win ugly than lose. We've won many battles over the last 21 years. Some have been very ugly. The good news was that this precious city of Nineveh was saved. Imagine if God threw his hands in the air and said, oh, no one wants to do what I say. Precious people would have gone to a lost eternity. The process can be ugly, difficult. At times we can feel like giving up, giving in and even running away. But can I remind you this morning that there's a precious community that God has placed us in that needs the message that Jonah brought to the city of Nineveh. And it's going to take some people to get on track again. There's some young people that are going to need fathering in a way that is not common, we have to hold our line. And it's going to be so easy as dads just to say, ah, oh, look, it's just too hard. And we've got to hold our line and bring up a young generation that know the ways of God in a generation that does not. We live in a world that need godly fathering in a community where godly fathering is mocked. It may be difficult. 
It may be tough, but the result and the fruit will be worth it. And if you felt like giving up and running away and just going the way of all the other dads, can I just say, get in that whale and get back on track. Because our young people need godly examples in the fathers. Will you stand with me this morning? It's going to hand back to my wife in two minutes as we come around a time of dedicating some young babies in this church. But before we do that, I'd love to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that there is no place from you in which we can hide. If we go to the heavens, you are there. If we go to the depths, you are there. If we go to the furthest part of the east or the west, you are there. We cannot run from you, Lord. Because you'll find us. Because we are all marked men and women in this place. Just like Jonah, we all have a massive target on our back. And I pray that through the message today and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, you would remind us again, O oh God, how much you love us and how important your plan and purpose is. That there would be a returning home and a coming back to the plans and the purposes you had for us. I pray that you would strengthen the resolve of every father in this place. That in spite of opposition, and the status quo of how parents should be done in 2015. I pray that we can hold to the tried and true and tested ways of the Word and not deviate. May you strengthen our resolve afresh today. And I ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.